This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Hi, folks. Just a quick announcement. I'm trying to grow our listenership, so I hope you'll share Kick-Ass News with two of your friends this week, or better yet, share it with all of your friends on your social media. And if you'd like to pitch in and become a part of what I'm doing here, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com slash kickassnews. Whatever you can do to support the podcast is appreciated, and it shows me that you value this little show that I put out every week. Thanks for listening, and now, enjoy the podcast. Hi there, I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to Kick-Ass News. Well, it's almost over, folks, and I don't know about you, but I can't wait to put the election from hell behind me. I know you're sick of hearing me talk about Donald Trump, and believe me, I'm sick of talking about him. I also understand that there's probably no scenario that's going to have you walking out of the voting booth feeling great about your decision this year. Look, I would have supported any other Republican candidate against Hillary Clinton. But Donald Trump's ignorance, dishonesty, and corruption exceeds anything that I've come to accept as tolerable flaws in a politician. So please, before you go vote today, indulge me one last time. Helping me make my case, you'll hear from a number of past guests of the show, including Bill Kristol, editor of the Weekly Standard, Pulitzer Prize-winning New York Times journalist David K. Johnston, former CIA and NSA Director General Michael Hayden, Stuart Stevens, Chief Strategist for Mitt Romney's 2012 presidential campaign, Jonah Goldberg, Senior Editor at National Review, CNN Global Contributor Parag Kanna, Jacob Weisberg, Editor-in-Chief of Slate Magazine, General Wesley Clark, and former Mexican President Vicente Fox, in this, my closing argument against Donald Trump. Coming up, in just a moment. Donald Trump loves to brag about his self-proclaimed intelligence. He brags about supposedly having been a good student and going to the Wharton School of Business, where he attended their undergrad school, not their famous MBA program, which is far harder to get into. He constantly claims to have a very high IQ, but we don't have the test results to prove that. What we do have is hundreds of clips from Donald Trump that show him as anything but a genius and probably an outright moron, like this one about 9-11. And it's very close to my heart because I was down there and I watched our police and our firemen down on 7-Eleven, down at the World Trade Center, right after it came down. Or this interview with Hugh Hewitt. Are you familiar with General Soleimani? Yes. I, I, go ahead. Give me a little. Go ahead. Tell me. It, well, he runs the Quds forces. Yes. Okay. Right. Do, do you expect and I his think behavior- the Kurds, by the way, have been... Horribly mistreated by us. I no, no the not Kurds. the Kurds, the, the, the Quds forces, the Iranian Revolutionary Guards Quds yes. forces, the bad yes. guys. Or here once more with Hugh Hewitt as he describes his beloved border wall. 
it would be tall. It would be powerful. We would make it very good looking. It would be as good as a wall is going to be. And people will not be climbing over that wall, believe me. Go ahead. And talks about his own daughter. I don't think Ivanka would do that inside the magazine, although she does have a very nice figure. I've said that if Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. You know? <laughs> Stop it. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> At one point, he suggested that he might reduce the national debt by using his quote-unquote deal-making skills to get America's creditors to accept less than full payment for the nation's debt obligations. Now, that's an idiotic suggestion, which could only be made by someone who has no idea how bond markets, the U.S. Constitution, the American legal system, and the world economy work. Bill Kristol of the Weekly Standard says that Donald Trump has a complete lack of interest in serious policy. One of the most disappointing things about the Trump phenomenon is the degree to which the Tea Party was about what? Restoring constitutional government, limited yeah. government. That was really the heart of the, the debt, things like that. Trump is utterly uninterested in all that. Yeah. So Trump is really corrupted in a sense. The, I would say, mostly healthy populism of the Tea Party and encouraged the anger uh, encouraged a kind of anger that doesn't care much about solutions. National Review's Jonah Goldberg agrees. He is utterly and completely, and I would argue unpatriotically, uninterested in serious ideas, save as, as sort of marketing tools. You know, this is a guy who, who's daily clipping the things he reads to get up to speed. All his staff does is type into Google News Donald Trump and then print out the findings, and he reads through all of it. He doesn't read about what's going on in Syria. He doesn't read about what's going on in Russia. The only thing he cares about in his narcissism is what people are saying about him. And he marks up the pages. The guy is unbelievably ill-prepared to be president of the United States. Stuart Stevens, the former strategist to Mitt Romney's presidential campaign, sees an even larger problem in Trump's willful ignorance. He has no respect for governing, nor does he understand it. I mean, he's someone who's talking about defending Article 12 of the Constitution. There is no Article 12. I believe that one of the essential elements of being a successful president is having a a humbleness that allows you to learn and to admit mistakes. Because the one thing we know about all presidents is they make mistakes, larger or smaller, but they all make mistakes. And your ability to learn from that, I think, is essential. Um, Trump seems incapable of learning from mistakes. because he won't admit that he was wrong. That ultimately, I think, is the most unfixable part of Donald Trump. But you got to give him credit for one thing. Donald Trump's a man who knows his audience. We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people. And then there's the long list of Donald Trump's favorite conspiracy theories, like this nonsense. The state of Hawaii says this is official. He was born in Hawaii on this date. Here it is. Why do you deny that? A lot of people do not think it was an authentic certificate. How can you say that if this is not reported, Wolf? But many people do not think it was authentic. His mother was not in the hospital. There were many other things that came out. And frankly, if you would report it accurately, I think you'd probably get better ratings than you're getting, which are pretty small. He's also fueled conspiracy theories about the death of Vince Foster, vaccinations causing autism, and 9-11 being an inside job. He suggested that Ted Cruz's father was somehow involved in the Kennedy assassination. He still refuses to accept that the Central Park Five were exonerated by DNA evidence and the confession of the real killer. 
He says global warming was made up by the Chinese, and he suggested that Senators Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz were ineligible to run for president. And the recklessness with which he fuels conspiracy theories and ignorance speak to the man's character. Here's Jonah Goldberg again from National Review. We can have a debate about what we mean by character, but we can talk about business character. He rips off people. You can talk about personal sexual character. You can talk about religious character. I'm open to different debates about what we should mean about character in our public life. It's a perfectly valid thing to argue about. But I've yet to come up with a definition of character that he doesn't fall short of. Character matters. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist David K. Johnston, who's been following Trump his whole life, says if you want to know Donald Trump's character, judge him by the company he keeps. You know, the question that voters should be asking is, first of all, do you want someone in the White House who has sought mercy for a major drug trafficker? Donald Trump desperately needed Joey Wexelbaum, the drug trafficker, to be his friend and not his enemy. He needed it so much he was willing to risk his casino license to be Joey Wexelbaum's friend. Donald has repeatedly embraced con artists, swindlers, uh, mafia family leaders in New York, uh, corrupt union leaders, uh, reputed Russian mobsters. I can put Donald together with uh, people who were accused of of being essentially organized crime figures uh, seven years ago um, uh, in the same room. Um, Wayne Barrett, in his book about Trump in 1992, uh, asserted and had multiple witnesses that Donald had met personally with Fat Tony Salerno, the head of the Gambinos. In more recent years, Donald has had a business partner, uh, a senior advisor, according to his business card, and a guy with an, uh, an office inside the suite of Trump Organization offices named Felix Sater. And uh, he and Donald traveled all over together. Felix Sater is the son of the reputed mo- Russian mob boss in New York City. He is a convicted violent felon. He is admitted to running a $40 million stock swindle on behalf of four of the five mafia families in New York City. What all of those together tell you is that uh, Donald needs also for them to be loyal to him because they've engaged in conduct of one kind or another that could cause him other problems. Johnston also says it's not just the people around Donald Trump. Donald Trump is an outright con artist. Trump has a great business skill. It is, by his own account, his ability to borrow money that he knows he's not going to pay back. He himself has said, I've done this and I've made, done very well by it. And secondly, it's getting other people to do work for him that he doesn't pay them for. That's why there are more than 4,000 lawsuits against him. I I call Donald a con artist, and and I recognize within a few weeks of meeting him, he's basically a con artist. The day that I met Donald in June of 1988, I sized him up right away as as our P.T. Barnum, you know, selling you tickets to the Fiji Mermaid. But then when I started asking about him, because he was the most important figure in Atlantic City, His competitors, Steve Wynn, um, executives of other casinos, some gamblers I met, and his own people began telling me Donald doesn't know anything about the casino business. So I said something to Donald the next time we met about craps, and I said something that wasn't true. And Donald immediately incorporated that into his answer. So I had several other questions where I fed him false information, and he incorporated them into the answers. 
which told me that they were right. He didn't know anything. But secondly, he was doing what, you know, the psychics advertised on daytime TV do and what swindlers and con artists do. He was telling you what he thought you wanted to hear. And let's not forget perhaps his most public swindle, Trump University. The state of Texas sent uh, investigators who went to 57 different Trump seminars and gathered information. Well, you paid $1,500 for the first session, which consisted primarily of high-pressure sales tactics to pay $35,000 for the full Trump University package where you would get to meet Donald, you would get his uh, personal uh, list of banks to borrow money from, and you would get this fabulous education. And they would stand there and show you how to call your bank or other banks and get enough credit on credit cards to pay the 35000 well, once you've exhausted your ability to borrow to pay Trump University, how would you borrow any money to get into the real estate game? This is the classic sign of a fraud. Furthermore, the Texas uh, officials concluded that the, the information was not only worthless, but in some cases contrary to law. And David indicates that Trump may have even committed tax fraud by doctoring a filing prepared by his own accountant. Donald filled out what's called a Schedule C. It's a, a freelancer, sole proprietor tax return form. Well, both New York State and New York City income tax auditors flagged this and said, justify these uh, deductions. He couldn't do it, but he ordered his longtime tax guy to file an appeal anyway. And in the trial, in one of these two cases, the tax guy was shown the tax document, the tax return. And he looked at it and said, it was a photocopy, by the way. It's very significant. It was a photocopy. No one could find the original. He looked at it and said, uh, you know, um, that's my signature, but I didn't prepare that document. Well, who else then would have prepared that document? That is extremely strong evidence of fraud. I know what you're thinking. Isn't Donald Trump a successful billionaire? Not according to David K. Johnston. There's no evidence that he's a billionaire. Donald has shown repeatedly signs of stress paying his bills on time, just as he did in 1990. I mean, if you're a billionaire, you don't uh, do as Donald did to the Benjamin Moore paint dealer in Florida from whom he bought the paint for remaking the Doral Country Club. He wouldn't pay him his last $34,000. That's why there are more than 4,000 lawsuits against him. Within a matter of days, Trump said he was worth $8.7 billion, $10 billion, more than $10 billion, and in one case, $11 billion. Nobody's net worth pops around within a month by those kinds of numbers. That's absurd. And, and we should recognize that uh, Donald simply makes it up. He creates his own reality. And as for his promise to be tough on Russia and China, I don't think so. In fact, he may already be in their pockets. Donald has associations with Russian oligarchs that go beyond the ones previously known, um, ones that raise questions about whether he was a participant in a quarter-billion-dollar tax fraud. He's currently just a witness in this alleged tax fraud, but he wrote a letter that was necessary for the tax, alleged tax fraud to take place. And we now know, thanks to some really diligent reporting by Suzanne Craig at the New York Times, that um, one of Donald's entities has borrowed money from uh, Bank of China, which is owned by the Chinese Communist government. I mean, we've never had a president of the United States who gets money from the oligarchs in Russia 
and is involved in a loan from the communist government in Beijing. And remember, Donald Trump's always running down China saying it's damaging our country. Is it any wonder that Vladimir Putin has all but publicly endorsed Donald Trump when Trump doesn't even seem to know what Russia's up to? Here he is talking about Russia and Ukraine. Why did you soften the GOP platform on Ukraine? Uh, I wasn't involved in that. Honestly, I was not involved. Yeah, I was not involved in that. I'd like to, uh, uh, I'd have to take a look at it, but I was not involved. Do you know what they did? They softened it, I heard, but I was not involved. They took away the part of the platform calling for provision of lethal weapons to Ukraine to defend themselves. Why is that a good idea? Uh, It's look, you know, I have my own ideas. He's not going into Ukraine, okay, just so you understand. He's not going to go into Ukraine. All right, you can mark it down, you can put it down, you can take it anywhere well, you want. he's already there, isn't he? Okay, well, he's there in a certain way, but I'm not there. You have Obama there. And just listen to the way he tries to weasel out of this question about the leaders of various terrorist groups. On the front of Islamist terrorism, I'm looking for the next commander-in-chief to know who Hassan Nasrallah is and Zawahiri and al-Julani and al-Baghdadi. Do you know the players without a scorecard yet, Donald Trump? No, you know, I'll tell you honestly, I think by the time we get to office, they'll all be changed. They'll be all gone. I know. I knew you were going to ask me things like this, and there's no reason because, number one, I'll find the, I will hopefully find General Douglas MacArthur in the pack. I will find whoever it is that I'll find. and we'll, But they're all changing you. You know, I, it's those are like his questions. Do you know this one? Do you know that one? I don't believe in gotcha questions. I'm not trying to, you know, quiz you on who the well, worst guy in the world question, is. Well, that is a gotcha question, though. I mean, you know, when you're asking me about who, you know, who's running this, 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 that's not, that is not, I will be so good at the military, your head will spin. But obviously, I'm not meeting these people. I'm not seeing these people. Now, it probably will be a lot of changes, you, as you go along. There'll be, by the time we get there, which is Still a pretty long period of time. You know, the, you start, let's say you figure out nominations and who, who, who is going to represent the Republicans in, uh, let's say, February, March, April. You'll start to get pretty good ideas, maybe sooner than that, actually. But uh, that will be a whole new group of people. Do you think if I ask people to talk about those three things and the differences that that's a gotcha question? Yes, I do. I totally do. I think That's interesting. Ridiculous. I just disagree with that. I kind of right, figured I that. I think it's ridiculous. I'll have I'm a I'm a delegator. I I find great people. I find absolutely great people, and I'll find them in our armed services. And I find absolutely great people. And but when you start throwing around names of people and where they live, and you know, give me their address, I think it's ridiculous. And I think it's well, I, I wouldn't do that. That's crazy. I agree. Well, but the, but I, it's I, an I, interview, not a by debate. By the way, the names you just mentioned—they probably won't even be there in six months or a year. Yeah, I don't know. Nasrallah's got such staying power, and so well, I think let's the see difference. What happens? But, and you know what? In that case. First day in office or before then, right at the day after the election, I'll know more about it than you will ever know. So the difference between Hezbollah and Hamas does not matter to you yet, but it will. It will when it's appropriate. I, can oh, that, I hope so. And here he is trying to bullshit his way out of a discussion about the nuclear triad, only to get schooled by Senator Marco Rubio. What's your priority among our nuclear triad? Well, first of all, I think we need somebody absolutely that we can trust who's totally responsible, who really knows what he or she is doing, that is so powerful and so important. And one of the things that I'm frankly most proud of is that in 2003, 2004, I was totally against going into Iraq because you're going to destabilize the Middle East. I called it. I called it very strongly. And it was very important. 
But we have to be extremely vigilant and extremely careful when it comes to nuclear. Nuclear changes the whole ballgame. Frankly, I would have said, get out of Syria, get out. If we didn't have the power of weaponry today, the power is so massive that we can't just leave areas that 50 years ago or 75 years ago, we wouldn't care. It was hand-to-hand -hand combat. The biggest problem this world has today is not President Obama with global warming, which is inconceivable. This is what he's saying. The biggest problem we have today is nuclear, nuclear proliferation, and having some maniac, having some madman go out and get a nuclear weapon. That's, in my opinion, that is the single biggest problem that our country faces. Uh, of the right three now. legs of the triad, though, do you have a priority? Because I want to go to Senator Rubio well, I, I after think, that. And I ask think him. to me, nuclear is just the, the power, the devastation is very important to me. Senator, Senator Rubio, yeah. do you have a response? I do. Well, for, first, let's explain to people home who the triad, what the triad is. Maybe a lot of people haven't heard that terminology before. The triad is our ability of the United States to conduct nuclear attacks using airplanes, using missiles launched from silos or from the ground, and also from our nuclear subs. Ability to attack, and it's important, all three of them are critical. Multiple military and foreign policy leaders, many of them Republicans, have spoken out against his dangerous and unconstitutional proposals like former CIA director Michael Hayden. If a President Trump governed consistent with some of the things he has said as candidate Trump, I would really be worried. I would be scared. Specifically, what candidate Trump has said is that he would put the families of terrorists at risk. In other words, he actually said he would kill the families. Yeah, he said he would yeah. kill families. Yeah. It is a war crime. It's it's consistent. It's inconsistent with the laws of armed conflict. <clears throat> it's inconsistent with the code of military ethics. And, and here was the punchline. I simply said on Bill Maher last Friday, I don't think my old friends would do it. An unlawful order is not an order. And General Wesley Clark agrees. If he were to be elected, I think the military would you know, we've all taken an oath in uniform to uphold the Constitution of the United States and abort, obey the officers, the orders of the officers appointed over us. They'd have to be lawful orders to be obeyed. Yeah. And if they weren't, if they didn't pass that, then they wouldn't be obeyed. But, you know, when he gets in office, he's going to have a, if he gets in office, he's going to have a very hard time giving unlawful orders because he's going to be surrounded by a bunch of lawyers who are going to say, Mr. President, you can't do that. Equally foolish are Trump's policies on immigration and trade. Just ask CNN Global contributor and best-selling author of Connectography, Parag Khanna. To bet against globalization is the dumbest bet you could have made in the last 5,000 years. Because yeah. if you were right, then we wouldn't have had this enormous connectography, this expansion of all of our telecommunications and, commu and transportation and energy networks. For 5,000 years, we've been globalizing and globalizing and globalizing. And every time someone says... You know, it's dangerous. It's wrong. Some, some, you know, two, we're we're losing, not winning, and so forth. Still, it marches forward and it winds up benefiting everyone. And it's definitely what's already happening. It's one of those, you know, when you think about our populist politicians who don't like globalization, connectivity, yeah. you almost don't want to tell them that this is what the world is doing, including all of us. Permanent migration now. People who are always on the move. There are now 300 million people who live outside their country of origin. That includes, by the way, nine million Americans. It's the largest number of Americans that have ever lived uh, abroad. That includes me. I'm an expat. Yeah. This connectography 
vision is not a vision. It's the world we're building right now. We are luckier than any other place in the world. We shouldn't blow it. America is the architect. Hello, everyone. You know, America is the architect of the global trade system. We are the most open economy. We are so open to migration. The greatness that America is today is a result of this openness and the system we built. Just because the playing field is becoming a little bit more level, because others are getting involved and getting competitive, that doesn't mean that we've lost or that we're losers or that we should be afraid of it. And, you know, what people like Trump are saying actually will hurt us, guaranteed, overnight. Former Mexican President Vicente Fox says Donald Trump's immigration plan is very bad karma for the U.S. And that is a stupid dividing, is that it's a stupid building walls, is that it's a stupid provoking a, a trade war between partners. What he's not considering always that to every action there is a reaction. What about if Mexico says, okay, okay, you're going to... Uh, Control remittances of Mexicans to Mexico. Okay, we're going to control remittances of all U.S. global corporations in Mexico. And it's billions, literally billions of dollars that they transfer of profits to Mexico. Or we're going to limit transferences to those uh, almost 15 million U.S. Americans that travel to Mexico for leisure. What's going to happen with U.S. citizens that want to go to Cancun or that want to go and look for a job in Chile or, or somewhere else? It is. This is a flat world. Trump doesn't know, for instance, that 80 percent of all Nobel Prizes are outside of the United States. 70 percent of all patents, patentes, are outside of the United States. Universities, knowledge, the world is great outside there. Don't limit yourself. But Vicente Fox recognizes something even more dangerous about Donald Trump. He's a false prophet, is what we saw in Latin America throughout the 20th century. The Hugo Chavez's, the Evo Morales's, the so many populists and demagogues that we had in Latin America, the Perons, Evita, the Kirchner's today, that destroy economies. But people believe in him because they they tell them, look, I'm going to get you the job, I'm going to increase your income, I'm going to solve your problems. Slate.com editor Jacob Weisberg agrees that Trump has certain authoritarian characteristics that are very disturbing. You know, if we did have fascism in contemporary America, what would it look like? And I think it would involve some of these elements like restricting the press, admiring other authoritarian leaders like Putin, um, you know, worshiping strength and force, contempt for weakness, um, expressions of violence at, at rallies and public events. I think you have a lot of things that are hallmarks of fascism. Trump really does have a lot of fascist instincts. That doesn't mean he, he, he's Hitler. You know, Hitler was only one kind of fascist. Uh, Mussolini was another. Franco was another. There have been variants in Latin America on fascism well in, in the 60s. You know, there are a lot of flavors of authoritarianism. What it says about the country and what it says about the country to the rest of the world, to have a representative, to have the leader of one of those two parties be a bigot, uh, be a nativist, be a racist, and and be so open in his admiration for dictatorship and systems that aren't democratic. I think just sends this message to the rest of the world that the you know that the 
America they they depend on as a sort of backstop of democratic values is not what they thought. And here's what Stuart Stevens said. Say what you will about Hillary Clinton. If you impeached her, she'd leave office. And I don't think Donald Trump would. I think he'd attempt not to. He just has no understanding of sort of basic fundamental American values. You, you look at in the 30s, there's a reason America didn't, as so many Europeans did and around the globe, turn to an authoritarian uh, strongman. And partly it was our citizenry and partly it was our leaders. Um, and I think that Donald Trump is uh, out of the political mainstream in this strongman tendency. And um, there's an ugliness about Donald Trump. I mean, I've been to a lot of Donald Trump rallies, and they're almost always ugly. You know, Donald Trump speaks to that part that's inside all of us that feels, well, that one time you got cheated or you didn't get a fair shot or, you know, whatever it is that, that you know, kind of rubs you the wrong way. He, he tries to speak to that and play on it, much as George Wallace did. Um, and that's an ugly feeling. And that's why so many people come out of Trump rallies pumped up and sort of spoiling for a fight. And that's, that's a very dangerous trend. We tend to throw around the term fascist rather liberally today. But when you look at the sum total of the things Donald Trump has said and his overall tone, it starts to seem like less and less of a stretch to imagine Trump infringing on people's rights and clinging to power. He's vowed to torture suspected terrorists and bomb their innocent relatives, no matter the illegality of either act. He's vowed to, quote, open up the libel laws to silence the independent press and those who criticize him. He's used minorities as a scapegoat and threatened to toss out the 14th Amendment. He went after a judge whose rulings angered him, exacerbating his contempt for the independence of the judiciary by insisting that the judge should be disqualified because of his Mexican heritage. He wants to ban Muslims from entering America and force Muslims already living here to register in a government database which eviscerates the Fifth Amendment's guarantee of equal treatment under the law to every individual. He's fanned the flames of paranoia by propagating the baseless idea that the 2016 election is going to be rigged. He's encouraged and celebrated violence at his rallies and even threatened to put his political opponent Hillary Clinton in jail once he's elected president. These are exactly the type of things that tin-pot dictators do once they seize power. All of this begs the question, is this guy crazy? Jacob Weisberg talked with a psychologist who has a theory about Donald Trump. This guy has an illness. I think there's something wrong with him. Um, I had on my show uh, a guy who was, who was a, a clinical psychologist, uh, and he says, Trump, the symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder are so clear around Trump that if you've studied this at all, you just positively can't ignore it. Beyond that, David K. Johnston had some extremely unsettling things to say about how Donald Trump views other people. Donald doesn't see other people as people. That's why he can cut off health care for a sickly infant to make money from doing so, because Donald sees everybody else as an object, a thing to be used. Donald is, is a narcissist. He has written at length and given speeches of his personal philosophy, which is get revenge. 
uh, destroy the life of anyone who won't simply do you a favor. In fact, if you are asked to do a favor for Donald and you say, well, I can't, that would be unethical, he will go out of his way to make your life miserable. And he writes about how much pleasure he got from seeing a woman who wouldn't do him a favor lose her husband and then her business failed and she lost her home and it made him happier and happier and happier. And he has no moral core of any kind. He has no moral compass uh, like the rest of us do. And he's not a happy human being. I mean, you'd be glad you're not Donald Trump. He, is, he will never have contentment or real joy in his life. And, and that's sad. That's, that's sad. I've talked privately with more than a few psychologists, therapists, and psychiatrists about this. And all of them say that Donald Trump is a textbook case of narcissism. But many have also diagnosed him as having antisocial personality disorder. In other words, a sociopath. But whatever label you want to put on it, there's clearly something very wrong with this man. No one really knows why Donald Trump is the way he is. But as I listened to Stuart Stevens describe him, I almost felt sorry for the man. We tend to look at a lot of people. It's very human instinct. Look at Donald Trump and say, okay, I am going to give this person the benefit of the doubt of being a normal person. He's not. You know, he's just a badly damaged person. I have no idea what happened to him, but something unfortunate. He really doesn't have any friends. He has this weird little world of people that he pays to praise him. It, it, you know, with Donald Trump, it, there are two approaches, either defiance or submission. And he humiliates anyone who supports him. And because once you've submitted to Donald Trump, he doesn't respect you. This is not someone that you'd want to sit next to flying across the country, much less hand the nuclear codes to. Again, this is not an endorsement of Hillary Clinton. This is more of an anti-endorsement of Donald Trump. And like I said at the beginning... I can't imagine that there are very many people who are going to be walking away from the ballot box feeling good about their decision today. The choices suck. As much as ever, you're picking the lesser of two evils. But there's evil, and then there's really evil. I'm talking genuine maliciousness, vengefulness, and contempt for one's fellow man. And when you throw in stupid plus crazy on top of that, well, you do the math. I've always said I want my president to be smart, honest, and most importantly, sane. I don't think those are unreasonable requests. But sadly, this year, every candidate's lacking. Hillary, by any measure, simply isn't honest with the American people. But I think she's smart, or at least smart enough, and she appears to be pretty sane and grounded. And let's be honest, maintaining one's sanity with a husband like Bill probably isn't easy. I briefly kicked the tires on Gary Johnson this year. He's probably the most honest of the candidates, and he seems to be a man of at least mid-level intelligence. But you get the sense from that look in his eyes, his permanent bedhead, and some of the things he's said, that there's something not quite right about the guy. And that takes me back to Donald Trump. The problem with Trump is that he doesn't even come close to filling one of my three requirements. By no measure is Donald Trump a smart man. Worse, he's willfully ignorant. He stubbornly refuses to educate himself on the issues and hit the books in preparation for the most powerful job in the world. 
He gives credence to wild conspiracy theories and uses his position in the media to spread blatant misinformation. And I'm sorry, but if you're either too racist or too stupid to know to disavow support from David Duke and the KKK, you have no f***ing business being my president. Secondly, I want my president to be honest. He's not. He's just not. Most politicians learn to lie. Trump was born lying. Nothing comes more naturally to him. It's pathological, and what's worse, he even seems to get off on it. This is a man who has deliberately screwed so many people over the years, from thousands of hardworking contractors and the suckers who signed up for Trump University to the investors in his businesses and the people who bought condos that were never built. He refuses to release his taxes, unlike Hillary and every candidate who's run for president in the modern age. He clearly doesn't want us to know the truth, and he thinks if he keeps talking, we'll forget what the question was. Donald Trump treats you and me, the American people, like a bunch of gullible halfwits in a carnival playing a game of three-card Monty. Another president, Abraham Lincoln, famously said you can fool some of the people all of the time, you can fool all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. A Trump presidency will put that theory to the test with what will almost certainly be disastrous consequences. He's a bullshitter and a con man. He's been one his whole life, and he ain't going to stop just because he likes the view from the Oval Office. Finally, there is nothing about Donald J. Trump that says this is a normal, mentally healthy, well-adjusted person. His narcissism is so patently obvious that more than a few psychiatrists have broken their long-held Goldwater rule to warn that he is a dangerously unstable man. His pettiness and his maliciousness, his uncontrollable misogyny and sense of entitlement to all women, the creepiness when he talks about underage girls and even his own daughter, and lest we forget, there's currently a lawsuit against him for rape of a minor. His punching down at people who can't fight back and bullying those who have done him no harm, the way he brags about the people he steps on to get to the top, the glee with which he seeks revenge and delights in hurting other human beings. His total lack of empathy for those he's ripped off, those he's abused, and the lives he's destroyed. All of it fits the textbook definition of a sociopath. And a man who behaves so erratically, with such violent mood swings, who sits up at 3 a.m. revenge-tweeting people who shouldn't even be on his radar, is the last person who should have the codes to the nuclear football. Anyone else on the ballot is the lesser evil when held alongside Donald Trump, even Hillary. I don't even think that I possess the imagination to think of a name that I could write in who would be a greater evil than Donald Trump. We survived eight years of Bill Clinton. We can survive four years of Hillary. At the very least, she'll be an improvement on Obama. And let's be honest, she lacks the initiative and charisma of Obama, so it's unlikely that she'll be able to get much done, especially if Republicans hang on to Congress and the Senate. But a supplicant Republican House and Senate at the mercy of a President Donald Trump could be very dangerous. And for those who worry about judicial appointments, 
I'm sorry, but there are bigger things at stake than the Supreme Court. Having said that, there are no easy choices this year, and whoever you vote for, I respect your choice, even if it's for Donald Trump. And I salute you for doing the patriotic thing and having the courage to go to the polls and make the hard decision instead of sitting at home this election. Because there's no better defense against tyranny than an engaged electorate. I'm Ben Mathis. Thanks for listening, and go vote. Thanks again to my guests on the show today. You can follow Bill Crystal on Twitter at at Bill Crystal. Follow David K. Johnston at at David, C-A-Y, and the letter J. Stuart Stevens at at Stuart P. Stevens. Michael Hayden at at Jen M. Hayden. That's G-E-N-M Hayden. Jonah Goldberg at Jonah N-R-O. Parag Kana at at Parag Kana, that's spelled P-A-R-A-G-K-H-A-N-N-A. Wesley Clark at at General Clark. Jacob Weisberg at at Jacob W-E. And Vicente Fox at at Vicente Fox K. That's Vicente Fox Q-U-E. Be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. You can visit Kick-Ass News on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at at KAPolitics. And please be sure to recommend Kick-Ass News to your friends on your social media. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at GoFundMe.com slash KickAssNews. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at KickAssNews.com. For now, though, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.